Hey, welcome to Trucking After Hours. Uh, it's the week of February 17th, 2000 plus 20. And we are here, all is right with the world, and I love the title of this, speaking of all being right with the world, we are going to tell you exactly how to save the world. The title is... Crack Open a Beer, Save the Planet. That is right. Crack Open a Beer, Save the Planet. We have it all for you laid out tonight, a little bit of trucking news, a little bit of lifestyle stuff. Uh, We're going to have some fun. Buck here, and I've got uh, Don, the beer guy over there. Rocking and rolling. And, of course, the castle curator, Chris. And we are ready to just dive into it. After, real quick, we're going to throw out some love to Trucker's Edge. I love those guys. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going on this weekend or next week. So I, I get the usual email, hey, here's our booth. Come and see us, Come and see us at DAT. We'd love to meet you. And it's like, I have a job. I can't. <laughs> 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 I did get an email from... Uh, Robert over at uh, Pro Driver Project with the, uh, what does he have? The Pigtail Wedge. Okay. And he's going to be down there with the booth. So good luck to you. I hope you enjoy that. Awesome. Anybody going to that, pop in and tell him hello from Trucking After Hours. Where is that at? Um, Geez, where is that one? The Great American Trucking Show is in Louisville, Kentucky, I believe. Okay. Because at first I thought you said they told you to go see Ruth, and then I realized you meant Booth. 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 I ask you more about Ruth. But... Ruth. <laughs> That goes back to you the. You don't o- want to know about Ruth's booth. <laughs> that goes back to the Oklahoma story we were talking about. Yeah, before we're the not gonna go there. <laughs> oh man, that that will get mentioned here in a bit when we jump into stories. Trucker's Edge, though, guys, if you're finding your own freight independent, just use DAT. It is the best. It is the biggest. It is the oldest, and it's the one I have the most faith in, because I have a lot of roots in their backyard, or they have a lot of roots in my yard. Something like that. Being an old Oregon company, they were the first load board. Trucker's Edge, if you've got one, two, or three trucks, gives you all of the loads, just a, a package more made for you, more lanes, more rates, more brokers, days to pay, credit scores, 15-day averages, 60-day averages, whatever it is you're trying to to find, you can tailor a package for you. They have three options from $34.95 to $99.95. You can get the most expensive one absolutely free and try it for 30 days. The end of 30 days, pick the one you want out of them or cancel it. Give it a shot. We think you'll like it. We think you'll stay. And as long yeah. as it's free, you might as well sign up for the best one. Exactly. Just take advantage of everything. That's got everything. Try a haul, all sorts of stuff. I want to get uh, one of those guys on the show here probably in a couple, three weeks after. I want to go through my uh, rotation, get through my Sundays again. Then we'll make that happen. But other than that, also, there's a link to apparel in the sidebar on the show. And as I do, or on the website, truckingafterhours.com. And Jeremy, who sent us these t-shirts, has a very nice website of, of different apparel and things. And, and it's a lot of fun stuff, t-shirts, hoodies, and things. Of course, the trucking podcast gear and other things. Take a look at that. And, and that's not something we're trying to promote and make money off of. That's something that we just want to give some love to Jeremy because he's one of the guys that convinced us to keep going at the beginning of the year and yeah. uh, put something out. So we just want to give him a big thank you and send him some. Check that stuff out by the time the podcast publishes. That will either be up as uh, recommended gear or apparel, but it will be on the site. Take a look at the site, though. We just published, uh, what was the last one? How to Truck Drivers Stay Awake. And there's some really good tips in there to uh, just keep you from the drowsies and things. We published the methamphetamine. article. No <laughs> methamphetamine. No, 
No. And not like the idiot who drove from Washington to Boston who decided, well, methamphetamine isn't good enough. Good enough. I need to mix a little LSD in. What the yes. heck? Yeah. Not only can I can I drive cross country without sleeping, I can talk to a purple dragon the whole way. Sitting in <laughs> sitting in the passenger seat. Yep. Purple dragon probably <laughs> legally logged some of those miles. <laughs> You know, this is, and we really are, we're going to talk about some EPA stuff, new trucks, old trucks, and, and a great way to uh, drink beer and save the planet. Did you read those? I did. We will get to those a little later in the show. They will be fun. I can't let this go without commenting. When when we talked about what we wanted on the new site, some trucking stuff, business stuff, some lifestyle stuff, under the lifestyle I think the first one we put on there, and right now it's probably the only one under lifestyle, and that is uh, coffee. So I kind of put it out to you guys. Hey, uh, when I say lifestyle, what comes to mind? And I, I don't know. Did either of you get a chance to read that that thread on, on our podcast? I read some of them. I was, I, I guess, a little surprised at the answers. Some of the uh, some of the responses I got, I was rather surprised. I guess I, I wasn't quite expecting... Weird hours, coffee supply, keeping cool under pressure on the road. Um, this is actually, Devante probably had some good suggestions to, to go on for those. Trying to maintain healthy eating, mostly no sleep, and a love for being out on the road and not being behind four walls. There's some good ones there. That was probably one of the more positive ones. Uh, getting paid by the load. Depression, misery of going to states you hate. Uh, just don't go east of the Mississippi any farther than... <laughs> the Twin Cities, and you'd be okay. And if you don't even want to go there, you know, no sleep, no life, no showering. I'll never go back to over the road. I loved it when I was young. I'm jaded now. Leaving my family on Monday morning and coming home Friday night, doing a job I love and earning a decent wave. That was Shannon. Uh, David was the other one. Cannon, uh, gadget and gear for trucks. That's pretty good. Thanks to see yeah. on the road, uh, Iowa 80, etc. Trucker hacks. And we'll get into some of those. Those will be good. Uh, Gamma Mail. Haven't heard from me in a while. Scooping a handful of mixed nuts and chugging a Red Bull while blazing 95 down Iowa 80, reaching down to pick my phone up because it fell while I was sending a text message two paragraphs long, looking at the screen 10 seconds at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Gamma Mail. I love that. That's the trucking lifestyle right there. (laughs) 14 hour days, podcasts, music, and a lot of coffee. Uh, Andrew, no shower, no shoes, nothing but problems. Just hard work and a certain type of freedom. Truck stop burritos, bad coffee. I love that, Nick. And little to no sleep. Aha, that from Kurt. My no sleep days ended long ago, but it is what it is. I guess when I read those, I, I see where places where we can go with that lifestyle category. Oh, there's there's infinite possibilities with that. And and that we'll have some fun with. I actually think some uh, recreational activities. I think camping will have a piece in that, more gearhead oriented. But I think we'll have some fun with some. Yeah. Goat Bob sent a link to a channel, a, a YouTube channel of a guy with a um a nomad channel, living in your van out and he's retired out traveling the country, seeing things and, and living the nomad life. And I think there's a little bit of that in all of us that love this job. Yeah. And and I you even though you never stay out overnight, no. there's there's a piece of that in you heading off to even a hundred, hundred and fifty miles away or just running your route and seeing the people yeah. out on the road. It Yeah, it's just you know, that that the the independence of it's just me out there. You know, you, you don't have 
your boss coming behind you every 10 minutes. Hey, hey, go, go faster. You know, work harder. Hey, when you're done with that, I need you to do this. Yeah. Do you need you know, to? Take- it's, it's you just go do your job. Do you need to take 10 minutes in the restroom? Couldn't you have been done in six and been back out here, you know, punching out the widgets? Right. <laughs> I found, a, you know, I, not, I said widgets, not midgets, okay? <laughs> I wasn't even going to touch that. Either you and me. I right? wanted to. I wanted to. <laughs> here's, here's one that just floored me, speaking of lifestyle and guys, you know, with the parking problem and everything else. And this isn't in the show notes. I found it today and put it on Facebook. Security guard shoots trucker over truck stop parking spot. So this was the TA in Oklahoma City. I know exactly where it is. I have honestly not been to that truck stop probably since 2010 or 2011. Um, <laughs> but I know exactly where it is. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma, a beautiful country other than uh, it, 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 it is. Stop. It's beautiful farm country other than the tornadoes. Yeah. Uh, and they do get some winter storms. I've, I've been there plenty of times. But that area, TA and Flying J are like right across the freeway from each other. And it is so bad if you pull in there at two in the morning, the prostitutes are standing on the side of the freeway. So you can pick them up on their way in. It, it's just crazy. So we're not talking a, a, a great area to begin with, no. of Oklahoma City anyway. In reading this article, obviously the guy was parked in a reserved spot with no reservations and somebody couldn't get their spot. The security and they you realize there's a problem when the security is armed. I was going to say that's that's a red flag right there. Yeah. You know, lot security. OK, that's one thing. Armed lot security. I should look for a different place to park. <laughs> that is a that is a telltale sign when the when the lot security is armed. Well, anyway, the altercation uh, ended up. The guy has been uh, taken into custody. I don't know if charges were pending yet, but uh, yeah, or, or he was taken to the hospital anyway. So it'll be interesting to see. In a grand jury, we'll hear the case and see what goes on. Yeah. But here's what surprised me. After all of this, the last paragraph of this article in Freight Waves, and if you go to your podcast show notes on your phone or whatever device you're listening on, in last year's, this is the last paragraph on freight waves. In last year's annual survey of the biggest issues facing trucking from ATRI, the research arm of the American Trucking Associations, drivers put parking as the number three issue. A year earlier, it was second. In the most recent survey, it didn't even place in the top 10 of trucking management. Really? The people who own your truck don't give a rat's ass. They don't. That's why the problem isn't solved. That's yeah. why you're fueling a pilot where there's room for 12 trucks. And then we don't care where you park. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really have to park? Yeah. <laughs> Just keep driving. Well, that was the answer in the old days. So, yep. yeah, we, we'll spend some time on that. We definitely will. <laughs> Let's just jump into this EPA stuff because I thought this was interesting. As long as we're <laughs> bitching, bitching and ranting or it's mostly me bitching and ranting. I was telling the castle curator before the show as we were talking, people who don't know trucking or haven't been in trucking since, you know, even before 2000. And all of this stuff with the EPA really started around 2004 with more EGR. 2008 was the diesel particulate filters. And from 2008 on, trucks have gotten more and more expensive and been a dependability train wreck. Yeah. I mean, the spotter trucks I drive, We, I have one of the last new trucks. Now they're sending the old ones back and having, you know, new body parts put on, engines refurbished, suspension systems refurbished. 
do what you can and just keep it going. Because yeah. diesel particulate filters in a spotter truck are probably a nightmare. They're a nightmare in local trucks. Yeah. So, yeah, sure enough, where is this article? Uh, this is out of fleetequipmentmag.com. And what is the point of this story? I mean, without reading the whole thing word for word. Yeah, Fleet Equipment Mag, beautiful international, right on the cover of it. Um, it's it's basically a, a rundown of a almost 800-page document uh, about the fuel efficiency standards in 2021 and beyond, honestly. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly in the article, it was like every three years in this document, there is something, a, a new goal to hit as far as reducing emissions. This is because that new used 2015 DPF, diesel exhaust fluid, expensive used truck that is a pain in the ass and always breaks down isn't clean enough. They're dirty yeah. pigs and they must be replaced. And you can they must bet, stop them at all costs. Yes, and you can and uh, and they will not stop after that. Mm -mm. No, there is no end to this. These people, no matter what you do, are going to want more. So when the day comes, there's no more diesel trucks. It's all electric. What is Pilot Flying J going to look like when you pull in there behind eight other trucks waiting to charge and it takes what two to three hours a truck to charge? Yeah. <laughs> and and how much coal gets burned to charge and in a, a semi? <laughs> and how many substations and power lines? I mean, it's just, it is ridiculous. Let's be honest. Our electrical grid is nowhere near ready for that kind of technology. Absolutely not without burning more not coal and more, more diesel. Look at Hawaii. How are they going to electrify Hawaii? Where does Hawaii get 100% of their electrical power? Well, I shouldn't say 100%. They have some windmills and so But the bulk of it yeah. is burning diesel. Right. They, they can't have much for power plants because they live on volcanoes. Yeah. So that puts nuclear right out the window. I love, and you know what, since... And, Chris asked me about this before the show. Well, that sounds looks kind of political. I don't care. We're going to go there, and I think that's one <laughs> of the advantages of doing uh, the new trucking after hours and breaking it off from the website. We can go there. So here is a great article. And uh, before you call it fake news, I'm looking at the EPA.gov. Totally fake news. If that's fake news, it has to be anti-Trump fake news. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't all fake news? <laughs> anti-trump news sorry <laughs> well i mean re read the headline on this one uh data shows decrease in u.s greenhouse gas emissions during trump's first year in office by 2.7 percent and they even break this down on uh how many tons that that's a huge 2.7 percent uh let's see emissions of large power plants declined 4.5 percent since 2016 19.7% since 2011. And, you know, I mean, that's just what a good economy does. People can afford to upgrade, get newer stuff. We can burn clean coal rather than import crappy oil. There's a lot of things we can do. And we have yeah. been doing it. And nobody gets any credit for that. It's just whatever it is, it's not good enough. No, it's never going to be good enough until there is none. No. So what is their actual goal? That's what I don't get. And nobody's being upfront about that. But you watch 
the I, I follow AutoLine After Hours and a couple other automobile insider, industry insider stuff. And they're just running on the assumption that 80% of the people are not even going to be able to afford a car in 10 years, 2030. Yeah. So when well, you look at the cost of them now. Oh, man. You look at Bloomberg on TV saying, oh, I'm going to have the, it, it's going to be uh, unicorns farting electricity to charge your car by 20, I, I think 2028 is his target year, is it not? I don't listen. And, and it's, it's like, <laughs> so I guess just to put a little lighthearted humor on it, I found the next story, and that was the end of the world predictions. Yes. Did you? Uh, ten times experts have predicted the end of the world and were wrong. I think they're and, wrong. And this we're was, still here. this was all, this isn't even like Y2K or anything. This is all, they predicted the end of the world due to climate change. Whether it's global warming, global cooling. When I started trucking, I got my CDL in 97. Uh, by the beginning of 98, I was working for Always. So those first two years, 98 and 99, over the road, driving 20 hours a day, burning the miles and paying off some bills. We did some damage financially. We We paid a lot of stuff off. Yeah. I, I gained 30 pounds, but we did really well. <laughs> but, you know, we had – there was some really fun stuff on Art Bell and all of the conspiracy shows. Oh because, yeah, you had Y2K and and uh, you had all of these mathematical formulas from the Book of Revelation of when the world was going to end. And, and well, Y2K, nothing happened. And none of all of those mathematical equations have uh, – Totally not panned out, and they don't work now because the the years they were basing off of are so far gone. You just can't make them work. They they base on how long a generation is is essentially caused all of those calculations to go. You know, nice. now that we know a generation is not eighty something years, we're pretty safe. Yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> but yeah, this is just hilarious. You want to go through a few of these? Yes. This Global is- warming will wipe nations off the face of the earth. Uh, if climate change is not addressed by the year 2000. Now, this was back in 1989. A UN official made this comment. Noel Brown. Yes, director of the New York office of the UN Environment Program, quoted as saying, shifting climate patterns would bring back the 1930s Dust Bowl conditions to Canada and the U.S. wheatlands. The Earth's rising sea level from global warming would basically make continents uh, disappear. Yeah, and instead the global farm production rose to more than a billion people worldwide. Oh, okay. Production global rose. Global farm production rose. And more than a billion people worldwide rose out of extreme poverty due to the economic growth. <laughs> That's because they sold a whole bunch of toilet paper getting ready for Y2K. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. No nations have been wiped off the face of the earth as of this year. <laughs> no. So far, so good. The world's lowest lying country is the Maldives, a collection yeah. of a collection of Pacific islands with a population of just over 400,000, where the highest point in the country is 7.9 feet above sea level, with much of it below three feet. I wouldn't want to live there anyway. No. It doesn't sound nice. Now, I remember this one as a kid, mass starvation. There was a, that was a big book. Yeah. What was that? Famine 1975, America's Decision. Who Will Survive? It was a book put out in 1967 claiming that, uh, what, billions around the world were going to starve to death by 75. 
Yeah, by 1975, uh, mass starvation. And again, never happened, and it was all uh, all based on ecology. I think then we were still talking Ice Age, because we were talking Ice Age for most of my primary and uh, high school years. I do like, though, with, with uh, that famine 1975 book, more people died of famine in the decade before that book came out <laughs> than total combined since that book came out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's, I mean, it's tr- still tragic, but it's funny. It, it is, but you, you know, things things have obviously gotten better. Uh, then and no, maybe that was the point of the book. Oh yeah, hey, there we go. Maybe the author made his point across, and we all saved the world. Global yeah. freezing as dangerous as nuclear war. I love that one because yep, that was the global cooling thing. That was uh, British scientist Nigel Calder. Never trust anybody named Nigel. Uh, maybe as a good mechanic, but uh, yeah, don't give him your credit card number. The threat no. of a new ice age must now stand alongside nuclear war as a likely source of wholesale death and misery for mankind. He warned uh, International Wildlife Magazine in 1975. <laughs> Walter Williams came up with that one. For those of you who uh, know who he is, he's an entertaining uh, economist at George Mason. Communism and socialism has lost respectability, so it's being repackaged as environmentalist. That's Walter Williams. Which, uh, which is true. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then number four is what? The exact opposite? Yeah. Massive warming by the year 2000. <laughs> the same year. Pick one, people. <laughs> this is the same guy. Yeah. This we is went the- from 11 degrees colder to what? Seven degrees warmer? <laughs> yeah. The same UN pred- official who predicted the loss of entire nations also claimed the most conservative scientific estimate is the Earth temperature. Yeah, seven degrees over the next 30 years, which puts us to 2020. Looking back from 2019, the temperature rose about a half a degree Celsius since 1989. Uh, this is everybody's favorite. Al Gore says 10 years are left. In what? And year? that was in 2006. So. Uh, we're on borrowed time. No, wait, wait, we're past 10 years, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're the walking dead. We're the While six promoting cent. his movie, An Inconvenient Truth, Al Gore said that humanity had only 10 years left before the world would reach a point of no return. I remember somebody, and I can't think of where it came from originally, but it was in a, 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 a conversation with him when they said, well, we need to get the facts out on this. And he said, no, we don't need, the people don't care about facts. We need to scare people. Yeah. And the bottom line is global warming ties into carbon credits, which ties into this big bank account of carbon credit exchanges, which yep. is pioneered by Al Gore and lines his pockets. And his electric bill is more in any given year than we all live on. Well, he, he makes this comment and continues to, in his, in his movie, Shows scenes of coastal flooding and entire towns getting wiped out there, you know, near an ocean, and then buys an eight million dollar beachfront property in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die on my house. <laughs> Before we hit the next four, what's going on on Facebook? Earlier, Tim was saying when you were talking about trucking and parking, and said uh, being a trucker is tough. Being a brand new trucker is even tougher. Says I love to drive truck. Why can't I just drive a truck? I agree. I agree. And why can't I get paid for everything involved driving the truck? Number seven, environmental catastrophe will cause nuclear holocaust by the year 2000. We just did that one. 
Number eight, mass extinction by 1995. That was in 1970. And that was uh, Gaylord Nelson, Democrat, Wisconsin. The father of Earth Day cited uh, the secretary of the Smithsonian, who believes that in 25 years, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of the species of all animals will be extinct. to say it did not happen. No. Uh, what, in 2011, they did some research and have found that one to two percent of all species have gone in state extinct. Yeah, and, and we've done a lot to save some that even aren't in danger. I'll tell you yeah. that. Spotted owl was everywhere in Oregon. Uh, oh, yeah. Number nine, metal depleted by 1990. There'd be no precious metals left to mine. And let's just say 30 years later, oh, we are doing Everybody fine. has a phone filled with precious metals. Exactly. Now, how it's mined is another tragic issue. Yeah. Uh, there we go. And, and we will leave number 10 alone. That That is a political comment from Walter Williams, but it is very valid. Um, so it we'll is. move on from there. There is some good news. There is a way to uh, turn this all around and have a whole lot of fun. And, buy a Tesla. Uh, yeah, buy a Tesla. <laughs> on your uh, on your days off and your down, well, maybe not on your downtime because you have breathalyzer. You, know, you don't have the uh, .08 that uh, civilian drivers do. Uh. But uh, NPR and where was the other one? Uh, AgWeb. Let's start with that NPR article. And this this is, we're just segueing right into This Week in Beer. I like beer. So let's do the NPR. <laughs> I had a lot of beer this weekend. Did you? <laughs> I did, did. Keep you warm on the ice? Well, I didn't have it on the ice. It was after the ice around the pool. Oh, well, that's good. But okay. Yeah, it, it helped me stay warm after the there ice. Now, there are a lot of uh, waste products and byproducts in the making of beer, are there not? Uh, there are. Um, basically everything that's not liquid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, your, your, your spent barley and your, your hops and, and some sediment stuff that that stuff piles up. You know, what, what do you do with this organic material? Just flush it down the drain. Well, I, Montana came out with some good ideas on what to do with it. Tell us what they're doing with it. Uh, they are, well, if they, if they just flush it down the drain. You know, you rinse out your tanks and all that stuff goes, you know, with the rest of the wastewater from the city to be treated. The organic material in all of that stuff basically overpowers the bacteria in the sewage treatment plant. And boom, now that bacteria is not doing what it's supposed to do anymore. And it's it's not getting everything out of the water. There is... A chemical that, that wastewater plants can purchase and put in the water to bring those, those microorganisms back to continue treating the water. But the breweries and, uh, the water treatment facility in, I believe this was Bozeman, yeah. Montana, basically found out that, hey, if we take a certain amount of this brewery waste and Put it in our tanks. It rejuvenates all the the good bacteria in there. And by doing this, we're not going to have to buy this chemical. The brewery isn't going to have to find some place to truck all this stuff to. And bury it in a landfill somewhere. And bury it in a landfill. It's going to keep the wastewater facility from having to purchase additional chemicals and also from needing to upgrade their treatment facility. Uh, saving, I believe right now, just the cost of the chemicals alone is about $16,000 a year. 
you look at upgrading a facility, that's you know millions upon millions of dollars that that would unfortunately have to be paid for by the taxpayers. Oh yeah. So now you're so you, you've got a brewery that's you know hey this is something that doesn't happen very often. Hey, we have identified an issue. There's a solution to it that's just screw everybody else. We're just going to rinse it down the drain like we always do and let you guys figure it out. No, here's a problem. Let's come up with a solution that works for everybody involved. So if you live in or near Bozeman, Montana, drink local craft beer. Drink local craft beer because they are, they are doing the right thing by, by you. Yes, and yeah, and save the planet and save your city some money. And then the other one, and this again was, uh, now this one's a little bit of a stretch, and this is from AgWeb. Let it open. There it goes, AgWeb. Drink a beer, save a farmer. It's not quite that simple, but uh, you just have to drink a lot of beer, I guess, for this one. You you have to drink a beer. So uh, especially this year, there's been a lot of companies going to... Donate a dollar to plant a tree or 5% of every purchase goes to help protect forest lands or something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's getting very, very big now during the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl beer is big. That was all those funny commercials with the funny halftime show. And then some guys running around tipping over. There was a funny halftime show. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was ready to pull out some one dollar bills during the halftime <laughs> yeah. show. Oh. Shiny object. Last year, and and everybody knows Budweiser, king of beers. They they own NFL. I yeah, mean, that's that's the only beer you're gonna see advertised during the Super Bowl. So last year they caused quite an uproar, pointing out the fact that the other big beer companies use corn oil it's not in your beer it's used in the manufacturing of it okay pissed off a bunch of farmers pissed off a lot of midwest people who well we're not going to drink your beer anymore we're going to switch to the ones that yeah they're supporting the wisconsin corn farmers and the iowa corn farmers the kansas corn farmers the oklahoma this is the midwest yeah. So this year during the Super Bowl, and and but I mean Budweiser didn't come right out and apologize, but did you know try and make things right with some of the corn growers uh, to no avail. So this year they they went the opposite direction and they released a new organic Michelob Ultra, no taste, no flavor, something or other. I don't know, <laughs> but it's all organic, and by Purchasing a six pack of of this new organic beer, you're you're helping to preserve farmland. No, you're you're not. <laughs> you're not. Are they donating <laughs> money to preserve farmland? Is that the, the? No, it's basically hey, because we're using all these natural ingredients. Oh, there we go. You're helping us to pay these farmers to you know plant more crops and you know keep more farmland instead of. I can't make any money growing corn anymore, so I'm going to sell the farm, and it's going to become a, a parking lot or a strip mall. That it's well, they were it's talking all in how you spend. <laughs> and, and they were talking too about uh, how many beers it would take to save an acre, and it's just this incredible amount of beer. Yeah, if you if you drink a six pack of this beer, you'd be saving a farmer uh, six square feet at a time. 
No. That's yeah. So that's... you you do the math going, okay, forty three thousand five hundred sixty square feet in an acre of land. Uh, they would have to sell seven thousand two hundred and sixty packs of beer to pay for the transition of just one acre. Wow. That's that's a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think I'm gonna lose a whole lot of sleep over trying to save the planet that way. Yeah. I, I like the first idea better using the waste for uh, something that's not wasteful. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, yay, it, it could still serve a purpose. Yeah. So yay for Bozeman. Uh, you don't even get a nice, nice try. Nice try, Budweiser. <laughs> I remember the days during the Super Bowl when Budweiser commercials were funny and entertaining. They had Clydesdales. You know, now it's it's okay. Yeah. The Bud Light night he was funny for a little while, then he got old and. They just, they haven't come up with anything intriguing in a while. Now it's just political crap. <laughs> okay. Now, as long as you kind of mentioned, and this, I don't even know how to segue into this, but, and I did not watch the Super Bowl, did not see the ha- the halftime show, the stripper pole, the thong, or anything else. But the question was asked, if you can't see the thong, is there a thong there? Is it still a thong when you can't even see it? Well, she That's had a bodysuit on, so from what I, I didn't watch it either. But, <laughs> yeah, but it was, well, she she started out in one outfit, and by the end of it was, I mean, yes, there there was a a bodysuit, but it was, I mean, it was a revealing outfit. Which okay, whatever if if you've got it, flaunt it. But maybe after eight o'clock to me, at night, it was, <laughs> yeah, maybe after a, a little later, bed. and. I don't know, Tony, at least get rid of the stripper pole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, show a little bit of class. It is the Super Bowl. My, yeah. how things have seen. The only thing I saw that I really liked was, uh, who was it who did the Jeep commercial? The, oh, in, Bill Murray. Bill, oh, Bill, Bill Murray, Murray, the Groundhog's Day, Day Jeep yeah. commercial. I thought yeah. that was choice. That was that was good. <laughs> and then the little 15-second spinoffs off of that. Those Those were great. I truly enjoyed those. There were some decent ones. Yeah, and I haven't seen all of them yet. I've caught a few of them on YouTube. Well, they show them so early now. You can see them before the yeah. game. And it never yeah. used to be They're that all way. Over online. Yeah. What do you say we roll into our big rolling turds and call it a night? Okay. I am, once again, I think you're batting about 2% on the big rolling turds the last few weeks because I have loved every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and some I of them were. I love this car. You know, I love the. Th- it, it's like great plan. I don't know about a flawless execution. What we're talking about is the Plymouth Prowler, which I guess the cool thing with it is, you know, Plymouth died, not, well, Obama killed Plymouth. So that was the end of it. What did they make this thing from 99 to 2002? They made it in 97. Yeah. And then 99 to 2002 was, was full production crew, uh, years. And for those who don't know what a Prowler is, well, we can't help you. It, uh, from the center of the hood back, it's got that 32 Ford steel body roadster look to it. Yeah. Um, sorry, but to meet government mandates, the crash bumpers on the front of this thing are hideous. But yeah, luckily, they, I mean, they killed the, the design, but I thought it still looked cool they did the best they could having to meet some of those standards i i think they did and i i've seen several people just remove those bumpers which is fine i've seen some with nerf bars on them uh 
Well, it's the, the picture you chose, it looks horrible. But if you look at that car in a different color, it's not as obnoxious. In, in a no, different color. You get the, the silver and black yeah. ones. Yep. It looks good. Yeah. It looks in, sharp. In red and then that hideous looking license plate holder on the front. I mean. Well, that's and, not even a pretty red. That's just. That's, ugly red. Yeah, that, that is yeah. not, that's base minivan red. I'll, I'll give it that. And there are a few other pictures. Yeah, there's one in purple and I'm looking at uh, several shots in green. So that part of the car, I guess in my book where that fails is what do you put under the hood of a car like that? It's big enough. You can put anything you want, I think. Yeah, I'm, yeah so you would expect a power plant. Mm, no. Did you read what they put in that thing? Uh, That had the... 3.5 liter. 3.5 liter. Granted, it is a dual over cam, v, v, dual overhead cam V6, but what is it? 200 something horsepower? I mean, yeah, 214 horse. Th- there's no V8. It's automatic transmission only, and they really died on the dashboard. I, I think it was a great idea with a really poor execution. Yeah. I, I did. You read the history of creating that car though and and where it, it came from um chip foos had a little bit of input on it uh they took some of the design features for the uh the drivetrain itself from porsche uh, alfa romero corvette i mean they they really wanted to go for front engine rear wheel drive 50 50 weight distribution I mean the the thing and and I don't know if there was ever anybody that souped them up. I don't know how much more that engine would have been capable of uh with with a good, you know, tuning shop getting a hold of it. But I think it had the potential to be a screamer. You know, the Intrepid ES, Dodge Intrepid and I sold a few of those. And I remember selling a green Intrepid ES from Ron Tonkin Dodge, McLaughlin Boulevard in uh, Gladstone. The guy showed up. He and his wife came in. They bought the car. I was there a little late getting the deal done. I probably got home after, after 10, 1030 that night. And the way we worked in that store, so everybody would get a, a day off, get two days off every week. You worked from open to close. We worked from uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. And then on Sunday, I think we closed at seven on Sundays, but then, or four days a week. And then you took uh, Monday, Tuesday off or Wednesday, Thursday off. So it was it was really hard in Oregon when you're open seven days a week to work at a dealership that gave you more than one day a week off. And that yeah. one gave two and everybody had each other's back. There were nobody trying to steal your deals on your day off. It was a really good work environment. But that guy and his wife, Green Intrepid ES, and they were a rocket. They really were considering there was nothing with 300 horsepower No, in, in those days. It just wasn't there. And they showed up the next day, and I think I've told this story on the show before, the front end was smacked in a bit. And he was leaving <laughs> it in for the body shop, and he had already called his insurance agent that morning. I just bought it last night and traded our old current. Well, what happened? He says, I got so excited at the hot at the stoplight, the light turned green, I hit the throttle and ran into the pickup truck. It lurks forward. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. So I, I don't know. I, I think I don't think because of the powertrain and some of the weaknesses in the designs, it's like from the outside, they designed something that had a lot of potential to it. You, know, you knew you were going to dump those front bumpers as soon as you got at home. Yeah. Uh, you knew somebody's probably going to uh, fill in those headlights and put some old fashioned can lights on it. 
One of the observations people made driving that was you could not see the front right wheel. So it was a very pointed nose. So, so driving, it was a little bit of a trick because you didn't know where the right side of the car was. But well, welcome to our world in semis. We don't know either. You just kind of learn where it is. You you just kind of know. Yeah. You get a feel for it. Put a, put but, a, no, I I always wanted to drive one of those. The Prowlers? Just, I, yeah, I thought they were cool. I, I really did. I will say I would drive one if I had the chance. I, I would. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think what after they stopped that is when they started with the uh, the cruisers. Yeah. Because I believe the last year of the Prowler, it switched from Plymouth to a, a Chrysler Prowler. Yes, I believe you're correct on that. And then, okay, we're, we're done with these. I mean, they only made a little over 11,000 of them. There weren't that many to begin with where the PT Cruiser was a mass production car. Which... The PT Cruisers you saw everywhere. And you Although I will do. say I saw very few soft top convertible turbo. No, <laughs> no. <cruisers. laughs> and I'll tell you what, you put 235 horsepower in one of those things and it goes like hell because they're, yeah. they're still a light car. That Prowler was, it is not a light car. It, it's a significant amount of weight. It certainly yeah. weighed more than the Intrepid that had that same engine in it. I could not find a weight on that. 2,800. Oh, was it that, that light? Oh, that was lighter than I expected. I thought it was closer for it. I thought it, but after watching the president's vehicle yeah. today that was at 28,000. Yeah, 20-something <laughs> thousand pounds for that Cadillac. Oh, with, going well, around the, yeah. Daytona. Presidential limousine. Yeah, he was at Daytona, and they got to... Um, make a lap around the track with the pace yeah. cars. He was up above because they thought the weight of it probably would not bank well. <laughs> yeah, they had to yeah. stay on, on the skirting inside for the corners because unless you're going at least 70 miles an hour, you don't stick to the track. And 70 miles an hour when you weigh over 10 tons, you still might not stick to the track. Yeah. But a normal car <laughs> at 70. designed to yeah. uh, <laughs> to do a bank turn. Exactly. Exactly. Now, there was one thing in this article that caught my attention, and I could not find any pictures of it. Um, i got to find the name of it now. It was just a, a concept car after they came out with the, the Cruiser. They wanted to keep up with this Roadster theme, and it was a, a Plymouth Howler. I have never heard of that. You read the article no. more than I did. I, I click the link on it. it. It takes you to the Wikipedia page, just saying it was built for the 1999 SEMA show. Um, oh, no pictures whatsoever. I did. Yeah, I did find if you just go into uh, put it into Google and hit images, you will find it's kind of a wow. This is the front end I mean, looks this, almost. You know what? The, well, you know what this looks like. Seriously, huh. it looks like the front end of the. Prowler and the back end of a uh, <laughs> what was that hot rod pickup that GM made? Oh, SSR. Yeah, SS something. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it, and it, that one they reading this article, I'm like, okay, everything that they should have done with the Prowler, as far as let's oomph the power to it, they did with the Howler. It had uh, um, they started with the three and a half liter. Same thing they had in the Prowler, um, roughly 250 horses. But that, you know what? No, that's not going to work. That's not what people want. So they upped it to the 4.7 V8. Horsepower was a little bit more, 
Um, but it gave it just a ton more torque. You gave know, it a would. five-speed manual. Uh, it, it had that 50-50 weight distribution. And it would give it better sound, yeah. Yeah, I actually found, yeah, and because that was the other problem with the 3.5 was just the closest they had to a stick shift was that uh, auto stick. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I had had the Hemi been out in the day, that would have been, you could throw a little more. This was a little pre-Hemi, so, yeah. uh, and the 4.7 was a 318, was basically smaller bore, just a smaller motor. It was a good motor, but it wasn't a powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting one. Speaking of weird shapes, we were watching. Um, this could go anywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This could go halftime show Lumen or cars. It was. I'm trying to think of the name of the car we were watching Saturday mornings. We usually on the mornings I don't work. We turn on uh, some car shows, and a lot of times we'll be watching my classic car. And it was a. It wasn't a Stutz. I'm trying to think of the car they were talking about. Oh, it had not. It was one I was not real familiar with. Yeah, it had a boat tail rear end on it. It was a V sixteen motor, big oh, wow. heavy car made in the like the thirties. Oh man, I wish. I, as soon as I stop the recorder, it'll come to my mind. But the rear end of that car was was boat tailed. It was literally peaked like like the nose of the Prowler. The the tail of that car was down and pointed. And it was specifically made that way with one thought in mind for racing. And this is funny when you're back into the 30s. It was made that way so in a competitive race that your competitor could not draft behind you. The air was too clean. It would just cause a flow right behind it. And you could ride up on his tail and not draft him. Really? So he wouldn't be able to slingshot around him. We missed that element in NASCAR now. And it was the coolest thing to watch in the old stock cars where you didn't have all the aerodynamics you'd watch a car and these you could have two cars that were equal and one is behind the other riding that clean air while the while the rest of it's dirty and he's able to save enough power to just romp on it jump out that dirty air and surge and slingshot ahead and then by then the aerodynamics would kick in and they just do that back and forth yeah and you know now the cars run too clean in the air and you just don't see that uh you know, drafting is still a play, but it's certainly not what it was when the stock cars were stock cars. No, no. The the little bit that I do watch now, that to me was always one of the exciting parts was, okay, he's been he's been drafting for about four laps. Yeah. When is he going to make that move? And just the the boom, and now it's now it's a race, and you you watch it now, and it's okay. He's going to draft for a lap, or maybe. Yep, now he's going to, oh, look, now he's going to pass. Give it five minutes, he'll get passed again. Well, I'll tell you where the drafting comes into play now is the guy that's uh, riding back there and not passing early on. Uh, depending on how the yellow flags work out, if you have a long stretch with green flags, which one of those two do you think's got to stop for fuel first? Right. <laughs> the guy The guy breaking the air. Yeah, so, so the strategy is a little more of a fuel strategy than a, uh, it's still a strategy to win, but it's a different kind of strategy. Hey, guys, uh, Facebook, you can find us there at uh, Facebook.com slash Trucking Podcast. And it will say Trucking After Hours, but uh, it is still Facebook.com slash Trucking Podcast. Yep. Uh, if you want to send us a, an email at uh, TruckingPodcast.com, you sure you sure can. Feedback at TruckingPodcast.com. Trucking Podcast is still there. The site's still up. It's still uh Gmail is probably the, the quickest, easiest way, Trucking After Hours at Gmail. I set that up to be... Simple is good. Simple is wonderful. You know how long it took me to edit last week? 
what about 35 minutes beginning to end? Perfect. It was wonderful. Yep. That's good. So it should be, honestly. It is. I will add in the music uh, in editing to the end of the show because I use a different cut with, with the lyrics in that than I did at the beginning. But a big thank you to uh, Josh Woodward, joshwoodward.com, for the free use of the music. Yes. And uh, Trucker's Edge for hanging with us. And uh, I am surprised how many people have not made the jump from the old show to the new show. And you know what? I, I guess that's okay. Yep. So it is what it is, and I think we'll get it back. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Thanks, hey, Tab. You true followers that uh, followed the leap. We appreciate and understand. it. Oh, man. And when I go back and look at all of the all of the reasons I did it, I feel pretty vindicated with me. Yep. Yeah. It, it's cool. It's cool. It is. It's, it's good, good stuff. So you all, uh, hey, drive safe, uh, shiny side up, keep her between the ditches. That's right. <laughs> and God bless. Thanks for listening. Sleep and work I am not boring I just stick to what I know